Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, my loves, and welcome back to the Balanced Blonde Podcast, Soul on Fire. I'm super excited to have today's guest here with me, Kelly Levesque. She is my holistic nutritionist, also my dear friend. She's my neighbor. She is somebody who I see around town almost every single day, which you guys will hear about as Kelly and I talk. We have done a lot of awesome things together, like train for the LA Marathon together. We're both Orange Theory Fitness Ambassadors, so we spend a lot of time working out together. We have lots of mutual friends and Actually, the way that Kelly and I got connected is because her sister went to college with me at LMU. So Kelly and I knew a lot of the same people. So when I started my blog, her sister's friends told Kelly about it and said, you really need to meet this girl. You're a nutritionist, Kelly. This girl's really into health and wellness. You should know each other. So I think that that was how we originally got in contact. And then when I moved back to Brentwood from New York a couple years ago, Kelly reached out to me. I was openly in recovery for orthorexia. So she said, hey, I can really help you. I think you probably need some help transitioning back from this very strict diet and finding balance in your life again. I would love to hang out. We have all these mutual friends. Let's do something. So we started hanging out. We really hit it off. I love Kelly's approach to nutrition. She's very into science. She's a science-based holistic nutritionist. So everything that Kelly talks about with nutrition goes back to what's actually happening in our body with our blood sugar, our metabolism, the way that insulin comes into play. And she's able to explain this in a lot of really easy ways. So easy to understand ways for those of us who are not scientists or even interested in science at all, like myself, really. I mean, I'm interested, but it's definitely not my forte. So I'm really excited to have Kelly share her philosophy with you today and also to talk about how she set her soul on fire to create her own business. She's now working on a book. She has an incredible roster of clients in the nutrition world and in the Hollywood world. Those are her nutrition clients. And she's really making a huge name for herself. She also freelances for a ton of incredible sites like Mind Body Green, Domain, Birdie. She writes for LaurenConrad.com. She's written for Glamour. She makes videos with brands. She's really doing it all. She's kind of 1,000% set her soul on fire. So I think you guys will be really interested to hear how how she got started and what her story is. She also has an awesome husband named Chris and they're really happy together. So personally, I go to Kelly for a lot of relationship advice and she just has it all together. She's one of those girls who really has it all together. So without further ado, I will introduce Miss Kelly Levesque. I'm so excited to have my very good friend and nutritionist, health coach, everything next door neighbor, 
total like entrepreneur extraordinaire, Kelly Levac here from Be Well by Kelly. I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell you guys a bit about what she does. And then I will tell you more about what I think of what she does. And then I'll ask her a lot of questions. So here she is. Hey guys, thanks Jordan for having me on today. It is such an honor and a pleasure. You are obviously the first entrepreneur that I know who's made a business out of blogging, which was so impressive. Um, so I'm just taking notes from you. Uh, but yeah, I started my business about four years ago. I was moonlighting until a year ago. So last September I took it full time. I know, crazy, but um, I am a health coach and a holistic nutritionist and I guess a wellness expert. So I'm writing a lot for blogs like the Chalkboard Magazine and Well and Good and Mind Body Green. So that stuff is fun. It's also, I mean, I don't know how you write all day. I'd much rather talk to people and clients, but um, every day is different and I love it and I love being my own boss. I think it's empowering and it's crazy to think that this is my job because I've been obsessed with it since I was 14. So it's just exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. And it's so cool that you started doing this just full time in September, last, last September. That's so crazy because look at you now. Kelly has this book deal that she's written a book in the last year. I totally understand the process that she's been through because writing a book while running a business while you're literally your only employee and your boss is the craziest thing. And Kelly has clients that she sees all day, every day. She has a life. She has a husband. She has friends and family that live nearby. She obviously has her own fitness routine, wellness routine. So to maintain all of that and find some semblance of balance and somehow we still happen to see each other every day in Whole Foods because we still manage to both get there every day somehow. It's just, it's all really cool. So I knew that Kelly was somebody who I wanted to have on early into the podcast days because she just inspires me so much. She's also helped me a ton with my own relationship with food and understanding the science behind blood sugar and insulin. And I'm going to have her explain all that because I still try, I literally try to picture Kelly's voice sometimes when I think of what happens again to the insulin and the blood sugar and all the things happening inside of me when I eat a acai bowl or too much fruit or not too much fruit because I, I try not to think in those types of verbiage. But, you know, I'm going to have Kelly explain all that because that's definitely her expertise. But... So let's see here. We're going to get into the first questions. I come to Kelly a lot for nutrition tips. I've had many, many days where I've just restricted or done something with food that I shouldn't have because that's what I do when I get stressed out and I control and it's just, it's ingrained in me since I was 14 years old or younger. So Kelly, tell our listeners what the Be Well philosophy and lifestyle is all about. What can nutrition clients expect from you when you dish out the realness? That's a very interesting question. I think um, I think what's surprising to them is that I'm not rigid. <laughs> I think it's surprising to them that I am the one telling them that balance is not being perfect um, because I think a lot of us feel the need to have a perfect food day. You know, if we want to control something, we say, okay, well, what is breakfast, lunch, dinner, and my snack going to look like? And if I did that right, 
and I know what quote unquote is right or wrong, then all of a sudden I had a perfect day. Or if you love to work out and working out becomes something that you become a little bit obsessed with, then it's like, well, if I didn't get a workout in that day, it wasn't a perfect day. And I think those are, those are expectations that set us up for failure. Um, and they, it has nothing to do with whether our day was good or, n or bad, <laughs> you know? So I think it's important to realize that um, you're going to swing. I like to think of life like balance is a pendulum ball. It swings from right to left and back and forth. Um, and the goal to stop that ball or have a perfect day or a day where you work out or maybe, you know, if you're a fashion blogger, you dressed perfectly. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. We all have these expectations on ourselves that we become, you know, sort of in love with the idea of or whatever and we try to s make it perfect but perfect we think of as like stopping that ball but but we're human and we're emotional and there life is going to get in the way of that and so balance to me isn't stopping the ball it's actually learning to float slowly off the midline like and and to know that there are going to be weekends where you might go wine testing with girlfriends and have a few too many glasses of wine or, you know, decide that you're going to have a chocolate chip cookie and and just know that that's okay and you're going to we're going to want you to just swing a little bit back the other direction and what can you do not not to like fix it or erase it or anything like that but just to balance back out because if if we're feeding our like our emotions by, you know, having a piece of our mom's pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving, and like having that nostalgic moment, then you know maybe the next day we're telling our siblings or we're asking our mom like, hey, let's go do this yoga class in town now that I'm home for Thanksgiving tomorrow. And we just find the balance around our lifestyle, not just around food. And I think that that's really important because what ends up happening is people do this all or nothing thing where they think they need to, to um, you know, eat perfectly clean, or they have this binging week, and then they want to swing into a crazy five-day juice cleanse, and then they're swinging so out of control, and may, they might feel a little bit of control in that cleanse, but it's eventually going to backfire. Um, I read a quote one time that said, uh, "Deprivation is a binge in the bank," mm -hmm. and I think that 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 is. Um, I got to remember who said it, but it was the most brilliant thing to me because it's it's so true. And balance, I mean, you're never going to achieve it. It's your it's a relationship that you have with yourself, and it's grow it's growing and giving yourself a little bit of a break and making little decisions every day that add up to balance. It's not planning it out perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Th well, that's such such a good thing to hear for somebody who is a perfectionist like me and probably a ton of people listening girls and guys people all over the world we just we want to be perfect especially when it comes to wellness because it seems like if you can have this perfect day of eating and fitness and whatever you do for a living all coming together and you did such a good job then you're proud of yourself and it feels really good but it's so true that if that's the mentality, then the second that you don't have that perfect day or you do have a bite of a chocolate chip cookie or a whole chocolate chip cookie and five more or something, then you're just going to be like, okay, well, I ruined it. No more. And I think everybody's experienced that tons of times. I know I have. So to find the balance and to think of it as just the swinging back and forth is really good. And I think that's probably hopefully really helpful. I'm sure really helpful for a lot of people listening because you can swing back and forth. And if Kelly says you can, then it's true. Um, so 
beyond the nutrition realness that you give on a daily basis, you have set your soul on fire, which is the name of this podcast. So I always like to ask people all about how they set their souls on fire by pursuing exactly what you love and taking the non-traditional path towards success. So you mentioned that you just started doing this full time a little more than a year ago. So tell us a bit about what that journey leaving corporate America to do what you love looked like. Sure. Um, so for many of you guys listening, you probably don't know that I uh, had an eight-year career in cancer. Um, I, <laughs> I went into a medical device and found my way into genetics where I was working with oncologists and we would map the genome of the actual tumor. So you take a solid state tumor and they would slice it in pathology and send it to our company and we were looking for the genes that turned on or fed that tumor so that oncologists could give people personalized medicine. Instead of throwing a whole bunch of chemotherapy on someone, they could give them something a little more targeted for their their problem, their type of cancer. Um, but the whole time I was doing this for eight years out of college, I mean, in high school, I was telling my girlfriends about health trends and things that I was reading about, and they were doing Cosmo quizzes, and I was, <laughs> you know, reading women's health and shape. And, you know, there were definitely a group of people that did that. Um, and then I got into all the diet books, and I read all of those. And then my favorite class at USC was Nature of Human Health and Disease. So that's where I found myself working in cancer. But the whole time, I was always still reading PubMed research on nutrition. I was always interested in biology and science and math. Those are, you know, that's my specialty. Most women are like English. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the opposite. Um, so don't ask me to, you know, write anything grammatically correct. It will not happen. <laughs> don't judge. Don't, <laughs> they, hate, they totally hate me. Um, but it just became something like so, something I just couldn't not do. Um, and I remember walking the Brentwood Country Mart with my friend Angela that you know. Um, and a year prior, I had pushed her off the ledge and was like, you need to start your own event planning company. And then a year later, we were walking the Country Mart, and she's like, what are you doing? You talk about health and nutrition all day long. You help all our friends from acne to autoimmune diseases to weight loss to whatever. And you just need to be doing this, like figure out how to do it. So I looked for kind of a shorter program online, something that I could just kind of punch my ticket, decide if it was something that I wanted to do. So I did the health coaching program through IIN and it was, it was good. I mean, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't as deep as I like to yeah. go because I was coming from a place where I was reading research that was coming out on a, a daily monthly basis. I was in the journals. So it was very just, it was, it was, you know, general. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew that I would still continue to like pursue a, a more advanced career. So, uh, but I wanted to make sure it was, it was the right career yeah, for me. So I did the health coaching thing. I started moonlighting. I took classes at UCLA. I took classes at Berkeley, um, basically to make sure that I had all my sciences to sit for the certified clinical nutritionist, like a CCN, uh -huh. um, and started seeing clients. So um, it has been a wild ride. I mean, I worked 14 to 16 hours some days. I would see clients at lunch break on the weekends. My corporate job, my boss was awesome and knew that I was kind of sneaking around. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, it came from within me. And so passionately, I just, it's something that I think because I had been so obsessed with it for so long and used to be in a place where I would say food is good or food is bad or um, it would read something and believe it 
um, my career actually helped me in cancer, helped me to understand and decipher research. And then it's like I knew so, m I started to know so much that I really didn't have opinions about things anymore, other than like, what would it take to have like, what would, what would be the pillars that you needed to, ha to, to be well or to have wellness? And it became more of a general thing for me. And, um, and I feel like the drama and the anxiety of food totally lifted and then it was my calling to help people do the same yeah so uh yeah so last september it got crazy i mean i started working with people some celebrity clients and i um and then i felt like okay i'm willing to ditch this paycheck and go <laughs> go for cans of wild salmon for dinner <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from whole foods and see what see what i you know see what i could create and it was scary. I mean, it's, I can't imagine going from college to being a blogger full-time, what that was like. Um, where is your paycheck coming from? How are you getting insurance? Uh, health insurance, that is. Um, <laughs> it's very, very expensive if you don't know, by, if you do it by yourself. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm tickled pink. It's like the craziest thing in the whole world that this is my job. So yes, yeah. I love it. Well, Kelly was born for this job. I'm glad that she's tickled pink because she totally, I'm I, like, there's nothing better for her to be doing, in my opinion. I agree with her friend Angela that this is her calling. And the fact that she had the courage to dive off the ledge and do this, regardless of all the risks and the health insurance and just leaving a steady career with a steady paycheck is really admirable. And to speak to her point of jumping from college to doing this full time, it was to my benefit that I didn't actually know what a regular paycheck was like. And I actually didn't know much about corporate America providing health insurance. And I seriously was so young, came straight from college and just felt like this is what I'm doing. I don't know any different. I don't even know that I'm not making any money compared to what other people make. I don't know what normal is. So I just dove into it and then of course, learned what I needed to live. And then, thank God, the blogging industry has grown. So bloggers are treated so much differently than we were a couple years ago when I started. And it really is a legitimate way to make a living um, if you treat it like one. But you have to be a business person. And that's hard for somebody who was an English major and totally doesn't think along the lines of, I mean, I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur, but here I am. And I think if you're just following what you love, whether it be helping people be their healthiest selves through food and their relationship to food the way that Kelly does or blogging or whatever it is that sets your soul on fire, you'll figure out a way to make it work. Even if you don't have a background in business or a degree in business, you totally figure it out. And um, Kelly has definitely figured it out, whether it be like through all of her clients and writing the book and she has a great website. So there's a lot of different ways to, you almost have to reach for a lot of different ways to make a living at first when you're starting your own business, because it's not all going to come from one place or you could stack your whole day with clients and make money that way, but you would have no room to breathe or to write a book or anything that you're doing. So you have to find a balance, but to get to my next question, now your list of clients ranges from a lot of our friends in Brentwood to top names in Hollywood. How do you tailor the nutritional advice that you give person to person? So for example, the difference between a young girl recovering from anorexia versus an actress who needs to lose 20 pounds super fast, 
How do you stay true to your beliefs between the two radically different types of clients that those would be? I think that's a great question. Um, I like to think of every client individually. You know, they're they're a project and they're a client that I need to look at, like, what are they dealing with? Um, whether that's healing from anorexia or needing to lose 20 pounds, they have some kind of goal. And I like to use the biology to teach them how to reach their goal in a healthy way. So whether it's someone with anorexia and I'm explaining you know, the breakdown of collagen that can happen in your body when you're starving yourself and the aging process that occurs. And, you know, some people are surprised to know that, you know, maybe you weigh 130 pounds, but in your lifetime, you will have weighed 950 pounds because you're constantly regenerating cells every single day. And if we're not getting the inputs that our body needs to regenerate those cells, there's going to be breakdown, you know? And on top of that, like, we can get deep into gut bacteria and the butyrate that your, you know, probiotic, you know, your microbiota gives off and how that affects your genes. And, you know, what we want in this moment is it can be such a tunnel vision for them to be skinny, you know, and to be that waif model look. But when we talk about longevity and we talk about functionality, uh, you know, being functional at a late later age, you want to be, you know, females you want to be fertile. You want to be able to have children. You want to be able to do yoga when, you know, you've made it in the world and you can afford to fly off to Hawaii for a month. And like, th those are the most important things in life. And a lot of times when someone's dealing with something like anorexia, it's a control thing. And uh, sometimes my job turns into a little bit of therapy. It turns into a little bit of going deeper with people and then being gentle with them because it's, this is what's going on in their brain and this is what they you know they're trying to get over or they're trying to get over that hurdle themselves personally but it's still, it's going to be a battle inside and so it's it's actually like helping them um have the ammunition against their own thoughts and i do that with science because the little things that they've started to believe that you know being skinny is what they want or they need um i try to break down being healthy is what they need and give them the ammo to start fighting their own beliefs. And then, you know, if someone wants to lose 20 pounds, maybe that's for a movie role or a red carpet or something. I like to use um, the tools that are anti-aging. So I do like blood sugar balance. I do like dipping into a little bit of biological ketosis or fat fasting. I have used intermittent fasting with people. Um, but I'm very strategic about that. Uh, I really like intermittent fasting in the evening. I don't like it in the morning. When someone gets up and is not eating and trying not to eat for, um, you know, until two or four in the afternoon and only having a small feeding window, I think it lends itself to eating disorders and especially for women. So, you know, if you want to have an intermittent fasting type of a moment, get up have a big breakfast, a smoothie, maybe you're having eggs, maybe you're having a super loaded fatty coffee, maybe you're having a big lunch with quinoa or veggies or salmon or whatever, and maybe it's turning to four o'clock and you have like a little protein-based snack and then you kind of hunker down or maybe you have a little bone broth, you hunker down, you curl up, you put yourself to bed early and we treat it in your body in a delicate way and we take, we, we love, it's, it's, it's about loving your body through food you know, not trying to strain your body or hold out or force it into this place, 
because, I mean, you can read the New York Times article, all the people on The Biggest Loser gain the weight back, and that's a really fast process. And so we want to be very careful that our body doesn't feel really stressed out by that. So, um, you know, it depends on the person and what I think that they're, what I think they would benefit from. And I really try, I pride myself on trying to read my clients the right way. Like if I see there might be some eating disorder tendencies, I try to make them eat every four to six hours. <laughs> if I see that someone is really immersed in their work and they don't eat a lot, I might make a mandatory time to eat or something like a, it's like a bedtime, it's a food time. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it really is about what's going to make someone successful. And I think it's about what they like to eat too, what they feel good eating. Um, a lot of us pull away from that. We have no idea what we like anymore because we're just reading what is supposed to be healthy for us. And so then we're having bone broth and turmeric and, or smoothies or bulletproof coffees or salmon and, you're like, well, do you like that? You know, right. that's big. No, it's true. You have to, you have to like what you're eating, and that's something I've learned over time, through you and through getting to know my own body. Is if you're eating something that you don't like consistently, like that, there's no good in that whatsoever. I mean, short term, like yeah, you might lose a few pounds, or you might have really glowing skin because it's really it's, this food is really good for your skin but ultimately like there's a l loss of happiness there or just you have to there has to be joy in food and there has to be joy in everything you do in life even to sustain it and be consistent with it so I think that is really good that that is your method and it's good I think everybody who does what you do should have some sort of read on people I mean to be intuitive to know even if this person says they don't have disordered eating habits I mean they're acting like they do so let's treat it like that could happen and so to have that heightened intuition is really good and I think you definitely have that because there have been many times where I'm like oh no I was only eating a perfect bar for breakfast and a smoothie for lunch and nothing for dinner every day because I just wanted to. And, and you can always draw it out like, well, are you controlling something? Yes. <laughs> I've been very stressed or something. So I think that intuition is really a good thing to have and you definitely have it. Um, so orthorexia has been so prevalent in our culture. I imagine that a lot of people listening have heard of it if they've read my book or if they've known about my history or really probably if they know anybody who's into health and wellness because orthorexia, the obsession with health and wellness and the eating disorder that, can, that, that it is, is something that a lot of people have. A lot of people develop, so especially us living in L.A., trying to find a balance between being passionate about health and being completely obsessed with health. What, what is your top advice for people who are suffering from orthorexia or people who know somebody who are suffering? Like what can loved ones do as well? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it has run a little bit rampant because there are, there's such an excitement about what, you know, what is health? You know, what is wellness? And it's a, it's a cultural thing. Um, it's become like a huge lifestyle across the United States where people want to be a part of it. They want to be working out. They want to be eating clean. And then eating clean gets to be their main focus. And then they start cutting things out. Um, I had a client that actually only ate four foods at one point, you know. So it just depends on, it depends on what they're dealing with. And I think the best advice is to be understanding. I think... 
forcing any anyone into anything it's like when you're a little kid, when your mom tells you you have to be home at a certain time or you have to do something a certain way. We want to have our own thoughts and feelings. And forcing anyone isn't going to work. I think um, it's helping to educate them. You know, I, I always like to break down people's rules. That's one of the key ways that I help uh, clients in this space who have been dealing with something like that. I mean, you know, I have clients all the time who tell me, oh, yeah, well, I don't eat ri white rice. I never eat white rice. I won't. I won't. Because they think it's a white, you know, it's a white right. carb and it's going to spike their blood sugar so high. Well, I have brown rice. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. So it's about the same amount of each of those grains. You know, one might break down a little bit faster, white rice. But you know, did you know that arsenic is in the hole of brown rice or like the nutty part? It's the shell outside of brown rice. So I try to tell them without creating new problems, right. but basically say like, I hear your point and it's valid, but I like white rice better. I'm going to have white rice. I might put a little fat on it to slow down the absorption of that sugar. Maybe I'm using a little MCT oil or butter, believe it or not, ghee, um, and making it a little bit more complex so that I don't have that crazy spike of blood sugar because it's not you're not eating it on its own anyways. So you should be eating what you love and you shouldn't create rules around something when if you created rules about around everything you would have nothing left to eat mm -hmm. That's so <laughs> i learned that <laughs> when when you yeah when the rules become too much you there's nothing left for you to eat which is why i got to the point where i would only do green juice and then there's all the issues with that and so i there was nothing left for me to eat at a certain point that is not a good way to be your body will starve and you will be miserable and it's just not realistic. And bouncing back from that takes years if you've done it for a long time the way that I did. So to find balance again has been so nice and I would never go back to that because I know how long it takes to balance back. You can't just cut everything out and have all these rules and do that for a really long time and then expect to just have balance again when you're ready because your body won't accept that. The hormones are all over the place. The blood sugar is crazy. So what I want Kelly to do is share her knowledge and wisdom on blood sugar and the way that it spikes your insulin. And she has a really good scientific way of explaining this that I find so helpful. So I think if she can say it here for us, you guys will find it equally helpful. It's obviously my favorite topic. <laughs> so um, I think... You know, it's very interesting to me that diseases like metabolic syndrome, insulin resistance, prediabetes, hypertension, you know, heart disease, all of these things can be tied back to blood sugar. You know, and uh, as human beings, when we have sugar under CT scan, our brain can light up sometimes as strong, um, eight times as strong as cocaine. So there's a real addiction to sugar. We love it. We crave it. We release dopamine, the reward hormone in our brain when we have it. So it's normal to seek it out, you know. But what's interesting is what used to be a mechanism to put weight on our body and keep us alive through winter is no longer necessary in our apartments in Los Angeles with 72 degree AC on, right? So, and it also is really important to understand, um, you know, uh, how prevalent sugar is now in our lifestyle and from sweeteners like honey, um, agave, maple syrup to all of our processed things like cookies and cakes and breads and all of that. Um, 
it's just a different way than our bodies are actually able, you know, we're, we, we, aren't, we aren't used to eating things that way. We have mechanisms, homeostatic mechanisms to keep our blood sugar balanced. And I'm going to talk about those. Um, but if we, the beauty of nature is that the sugars in nature are wrapped up in fiber and they're slowly released naturally. So it helps our body maintain homeostasis. So the way I like to think about it is if you were to take example, like let's say you were to have a bagel for breakfast with nothing on it. You're just having a bagel. I want you to picture eating that bagel and it goes into your mouth. And then you have an enzyme that starts to break down that carbohydrate. And carbohydrates break down to something called glucose, which is blood sugar. And what I like to explain to my clients is picturing that bagel going from your stomach and from your mouth to your stomach and then being absorbed into your bloodstream. Because as it breaks down into glucose, glucose goes into our bloodstream and glucose is blood sugar. So our blood sugar starts to rise. And if you picture a whole bunch of little mini bagels floating in your veins, uh, in the blood, right, of your veins and arteries, and I want you to picture alarm bells going off in your body because your body wants to maintain a specific range of blood sugar. So when we flood it with mini bagels or little bits of sugar, our body says, okay, that's fine, but we need to put it away. And your pancreas releases insulin, and insulin is a storage hormone that lasts in your bloodstream for six to eight hours after you spike it. So what happens is insulin's like a little mini ferry boat. It comes into your blood. It picks up that little piece of bagel, and it has to put it away because it's trying to bring that blood sugar back down. And the three places that blood sugar stores um, or glucose stores as glycogen is, um, well, it stores as glycogen in your liver first and in your muscles. And when there's no space left in your liver and your muscles, it's stored as fat. And to do that, uh, it's transitioned to triglycerides, and they store in cholesterol particles. So then we have the cholesterol connection there. Um, and so are carbs bad? No, carbs aren't bad because you can store carbs as fuel in your liver and your muscles so that you can do yoga and you can do OTF and you can work out. Um, but when are carbs bad? Carbs are bad or it's, you know, it's in excess. So it is back to balance. The absorption of that sugar. So it's slowly going into your bloodstream over a number of hours instead of skyrocketing you up and crashing you down. And I think, you know, the most liberating thing for me is teaching people how to eat a solid mixed meal so that they're eating to satiety and they're eating to fill themselves up and nourish themselves and they can easily go four to six hours without eating another meal. And I think being able to fuel yourself that way fuel yourself for your workouts, fuel yourself for your day, kind of takes away the anxiety of eating because you're not being responsive to the up and down, the, the high spikes and the you know fast crashes of blood sugar when you're constantly snacking on small meals because that's just going to, you're just going to continue to fill up with insulin towards the end of the day. And that three or four o'clock hour, you're going to turn around and be like, we're getting a brownie. We're getting an iced coffee. I'm feeling emotional, <laughs> you know, and that that's real. That hangry feeling is real. But when you start to elongate your blood sugar curve and make it more of a ripple naturally by eating foods that are higher in fiber, by eating protein and fat and things that satiate you and turn off those hunger hormones for hours, it's a lot easier to feel like you have a little bit of control over food. And it's not about controlling the exact ingredients. It's more about really treating yourself right. Because running into Starbucks and getting a non-fat latte and a kind bar to see how long you can hold out on this mini meal is actually backfiring on you the rest of the day. Right. And people end up eating way more at lunch and then 
having a food coma and having needing a sweet snack and then having to have this big dinner and you know your cells are so much more uh they're they're primed to deal with your nutrition in the morning because you've just come off of a really good night's sleep and your cells have bathed themselves in melatonin you have this surge of cortisol in the morning that wakes you up and makes you bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and Mm -hmm. and you know it isn't your cell your muscles haven't been constantly in contact with insulin so they're a little more sensitive so that's a lot of science but I I basically love understanding blood sugar because people do feel like oh I want to eat less and then they try and they're starving and they're reactive to the foods that they're eating instead of being feeling safe and confident that they can sit down to a four four egg omelet with avocado and veggies or a smoothie that's 500 calories you know I get that all the time they're like it's 500 calories or 600 calories and I'm like yeah but but if you eat three meals a day and you have a snack and you're probably going to end up eating less calories overall but calories don't count because it's how are those calories being stored like fat you eat fat it goes into your stomach it goes into your small intestines it's absorbed into your lymphatic system it's used. It's not stored as fat, you know? So people and avoid things like that. Thank God that you don't anymore. But, um, yeah, I think bl- understanding blood sugar and understanding how to eat to turn off hunger hormones instead of trying to sneak by with just a green juice or a non-fat latte or just a bar because your biology is going to take over. And then you're going to feel out of control. And I like my clients to feel calm, relaxed, and in control. in control. Yeah, well, that's important to feel in control. And it's true. I think I think grabbing for just having a latte for breakfast or a kind bar for lunch or skipping dinner altogether, it's all very short term. People that are people who do that, which I mean, I do that all the time. Right? I mean, I try really hard not to, but at least I've been in times in my life where I've done things like that a lot it's all very short term. Like, oh, if I don't eat dinner or if I have just a bar for dinner, I'll wake up feeling so light and it'll be awesome. And I'll also feel so in control because I can manage this hunger. Maybe I'm barely even hungry, so I'll just convince myself this is a great idea. But it's also short term because really over time, it's not fueling you. It's not fueling anything inside of your body. Your hormones are going to get all wacky and also about all the blood sugar stuff that you've been saying with everything that I see on Instagram with these huge smoothies and these super tall mason jars with papaya and banana and strawberries and mango and perfect bars and honey and granola and these tiny little people eating it. I mean, like I'm talking about girls with six packs that are coming from the gym and just wearing a sports bra Anybody would look at that and think, oh, wonderful, I'll have that for breakfast too because that's what she's having and she looks amazing. Kelly is so right that a lot of that is genetics or that person, you know, might not be eating the whole thing. And I used to post stuff like that all the time, these beautiful layered smoothies and layered oatmeals with hundreds of pieces of fruit like perfectly placed in there because it would make a beautiful aesthetically pleasing photo. But... I didn't eat that. I didn't eat the whole thing. I would, ha- I would have a few bites for several days in a row until the thing was almost gone or until it was, until it was not fresh anymore and I would have to throw it away. So 
But I, I, the difference is I was never trying to pretend like this was my breakfast and I devoured the whole thing, guys. I ate the whole thing. I never lied. I just thought I just like food photography. So that's different. But people who are on there, I can promise you a lot of people who are saying this was my breakfast and I can do this because I work out so hard. It's just not true. Like they're either not fully eating it or their body is just going to look the same. Yeah, I think it's also important just to note when I talk about blood sugar and carbohydrates break down to glucose um, and glucose is stored in your liver, you can't speed up the use of the glycogen, you know, of the glucose that's stored as glycogen in your liver. But when it comes to your muscles, if you store glucose as glycogen in your muscles, that becomes the fuel for your workout. So for someone to eat something like that, they would need to be kind of a workoutaholic <laughs> or working out really hard. And what one distinction that you should make is the understanding between glucose and fructose. So if we were to take an apple and, and for brevity and like just a simple explanation and pretend we basically there are two sugars in that apple, sugars that break down to glucose and store as blood sugar and sugar that is fructose. And fructose is like high fructose corn syrup. Agave is almost 90% fructose. It's a specific type of sugar that's 100% metabolized in your liver. And if it doesn't, if the excess doesn't fit there, it stores as fat. So um, people get, you know, with the USDA triangle or the plate, and they they say that oh, I should be having like five, four to five pieces of fruit a day, and that's healthy. I think understanding how fructose is metabolized and what it does in your body is super important, especially when you see these bowls and layered smoothies and things like that, because what are you getting from that fruit? And, you know, people talk about fiber and antioxidants. Um, you know, our, our produce is not as nutrient rich as it used to be. Um, it, it definitely, I mean, I'm all for like greens and I'm all for veggies and I'm all for fruit, but I think it's important to understand the distinction. Whereas if someone were to sit down to, I'm just going to throw this out there, like a ground bison burger or salmon or something that it, is really dense in nutrition that's going to deliver them all the B vitamins they need for the day or deliver them the omega-3 fatty acids that's going to rebalance the their delicate ratio between omega-3 and omega-6. Like, there are other things that you could eat loads and loads of without having those same hormonal reactions and also nourishing your body to perform better, to, um, you know, prevent neuro degenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's to keep muscle tone on your body to, um, you know, make sure that you're getting the amino acids that go into your brain that create serotonin, norepinephrine, and all the happy hormones <laughs> in your brain that keep us happy, like dopamine, um, you know, and really, really look at food from a bigger scope. Like, what do I need? Like, not, not so much like, oh, well, you shouldn't be eating and shouldn't be understand how those things affect your body biologically, but what should you be eating? What do you need? What, what are those pillars of health? And I, I try to like reframe the conversation so that people feel like they have flexibility in light structure as opposed to an eat and do not eat list or anything super rigid. Yeah. To have that flexibility is so important for people who are seeking balance because it just gives you so much permission to be able to have a bit of that. And I mean, I love green smoothies and I still love making those layered smoothies and oatmeal and just knowing, like, yeah, having the knowledge 
to know like what it is when it when it comes into my body like the knowledge is one thing but also to have flexibility so you can have something like that and the difference for me is if I have something like that once a week or an acai bowl once a month because I'm really craving it and that's not my limit once a month or anything but it's just an example I feel great like nothing is affected but when you start to think like, oh, that worked for me today, so I should have it tomorrow and the next day and the next day because I love it and I love acai bowls and they're so pretty and they're so photogenic, then that's when you run into issues or at least that's when I run into issues and even with my gut bacteria and my stomach problems, having all of that fruit and all of that fructose and glucose and everything that it is, over time, yes, that really bothers my stomach. But if I have it once in a blue moon because I love it and I haven't had it in a while, it doesn't bother my stomach. So to have that flexibility and to just have permission to have that flexibility is key for sure. So I can totally agree with that. So we mentioned fitness. So talking about, um, I mean, working out as it compares to all of the other things that we're talking about. What is your fitness philosophy? What have you been doing lately? I know that Kelly and I have, well, we trained for a marathon together. I mean, Kelly got injured, but we did have so much fun training together. We go to Orange Theory together a lot. Well, it's been a while. I It's been a while since I've even been, but we're both ambassadors for Orange Theory and we love it. So I'm curious to hear what have you been doing lately in terms of fitness and what makes you feel your best? Well, I think what makes me feel my best is consistency. Consistency. Like, it doesn't have to be every day, but, you know, letting a week go by or 10 days go by and not be, for me not to be active, it, it affects my mood and affects the way that I feel. And yes, I am a little bit older than you. So I did get injured training for the marathon. And so my body's a little broken. <laughs> I played soccer growing up. I've always been super active. I like those high intensity workouts like OTF. Um, but I find that a workout that makes me the happiest and always has has been yoga. Like I've gotten over bad boyfriends through yoga. I have found inspiration to quit my job through yoga. Um, I, you know, you purge the emotions and the interactions that you have throughout the day. I had, um, I don't know if you know Ashley Niece, but she's a breath work specialist. And she told me one time that someone could be 30 feet away from you and you can like feel their aura and you can absorb it. And if it's negative or you feel, you feel tension that you're, you're just picking up these things throughout the day and having a place like your yoga mat to, to ditch that stuff, to breathe through it is really important. And being that I came from kind of just a all American, you know, family where I grew up, yeah. played soccer, had dinner, never went to a chiropractor, never went to, you know, a breathwork specialist, <laughs> never, never was like, in, you know, yoga wasn't a thing, right? Um, to have that space, that safe place to release all those things is really important to me. And I think it's something that gives me strength, um, but it also keeps me graceful and makes me feel like beautiful which I think it, in a way that, you know, a <laughs> tight dress and high heels doesn't make me feel. I feel, I feel more myself um, sweaty on my yoga mat and opening into poses because it just makes you really accepting of yourself and gentle with yourself. And yeah, every once in a while, I really want to listen to Jay-Z and throw <laughs> a kettlebell around, but... 
I always go back to yoga. Me too. I'm finding this to be a trend because Sophie, who was on the third podcast episode, said the same thing where, of course, she's had times in her life where she's done really rigorous exercise, been a personal trainer, been just as into all of the hardcore physical stuff as we have. And right now she's really finding so much peace in just doing yoga a couple times a week and just being easy on herself and knowing that her her fit body isn't going anywhere and she's finding so much joy and just long walks with her kids and doing push-ups at the park if she feels like she wants to get her heart rate up. And it's crazy to hear Kelly say that too and because I feel that way right now too where all the rigorous, really rigorous exercise that I've definitely been super into at many, many times in my life is just not serving me right now. And I know that there will be times where it does in the future for probably so many different reasons. But with a high intensity lifestyle, like I said in the episode with Sophie and Kelly for sure has that, especially right now with the book she's been working on and her full-time job and being her own boss and just balancing life in general Having that kind of high-intensity life requires, I think, such such a... You need some kind of supplement to ditch that stuff. And the supplement could so easily, for so many of us, be our yoga mat. And the way that you describe coming into those sweaty, heart-opening poses, it's just so wonderful. And that's where I find joy and peace. And that's where I've gotten any inspiration ever to start any new project the best lines from anything I've ever written, every single phrase from any TBB apparel shirt that I've ever made has never come to me anywhere but my yoga mat. And I mean, it's just something I'm so passionate about because to find happiness just all on your own, on your yoga mat, yes, led by an instructor sometimes, sometimes not, is so powerful to find that in your own body and to be doing something so gentle that's so good for your muscles, so good to just wind down from a long day and bring those stress hormone levels down. And God, I feel my best. I f- And I would also go so far to say as I look my best, probably because I feel my best when I'm not doing such insane pounding of the pavement and rigorous, rigorous, sprinting my ass off on the treadmill like once in a while yes it's fun I like to throw around a kettlebell too but to be so I mean god seven days a week I was doing and I'm sure you've been there and we've done it together and it's just nice to go through those ebbs and flows and to allow yourself permission to exercise a bit less hard sometimes and yoga is so special there's going to be a yoga episode soon and Kelly's going to be on it because she clearly feels the same way that I do so speaking of yoga and how much balance yoga has helped you find in your life what are some other tips for balance and for managing all the different things that you're doing and you have this huge trip coming up to New Zealand for a month so travel is thrown into the mix how do you find balance between all of it I don't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm a little bit ADD. I'm all over the place. So sometimes, th- I mean, that's really the reason why travel comes into my life. Like I make it a priority. And then when things get super stressful or I need a break, I might jump into a little travel website and poke around and imagine how that trip is going to go. And it kind of decompresses me. Um, 
I mean, balance, like I said, is balance is hard. We're human. We're emotional. So there are going to be days when you're like, I just want a pizza because this week was hard and I want to open a bottle of wine. And, and you, you just have to consciously have those moments where you say, I want to go find my, I want to go to my yoga, yoga studio and like go to a class or I'm going to let myself sleep in today or I need to call my mom, you know? And I think, I think what happens is we get so busy that not that we lose ourselves, but life happens and we're just being reactive and we're not being proactive. And I think when you take a minute, whether that's on your yoga mat or letting yourself sleep in or giving yourself a minute because we can go so fast and people are producing so much content and they're doing so much for their job and they're constantly on the go. But I bet if you took a minute and, and you did some breath work or did some yoga, those are the minutes where you go back to yourself and you're like, what makes me happy? And I'm reminded of, you know, my best friends from high school who are still my best friends who have like loads of kids now. <laughs> my best friend from high school has four babies, no oh joke. Um, and, you know, I have that moment where I just need to like pick up the phone and call Ashling or I need to tell my husband like, I need to cuddle right now. <laughs> like I need that. Um, and I think until, unless you're slowing down at some point, you're not really going to be called back to your true self. And I think we are the happiest when something in our life is consistently bringing us back to our true self. And I think for us, that might be yoga, you know, because it's we go so fast and it's telling us, it's okay, this is your time, this is your hour. And yes, what's beautiful about yoga is that you can, it's meditative. You know, whether the music is pumping or there's no music at all, you're in your thoughts, it's, but you're moving, so you're not obsessing over them, you're letting them flow, and then we'll, and you're almost like purging them, and then when you get down to Shavasana, it's basically like, what, it, what does my human body need? Mm -hmm. Does it need my mom? Does it need my husband? Does that, do I need to call a friend? Do we need to book a vacation to get the heck out of here and restart? Yes. Um, so yeah, back to yoga, I guess. Yoga and travel. I'm looking for breaks, mini yeah. breaks and big breaks. Yeah, both. <laughs> the balance of both of the mini and the big breaks is really important. And I couldn't agree more with all of that with yoga is a moving meditation. So if you're not a yoga person, maybe it's something else that's a moving meditation for you where your thoughts are going to flow through your mind until you have the chance to release them. And it's really important to be able to get in touch with what those thoughts even are. So, I mean, last night I was in a yoga class and the night before, I mean, most nights I am. And when I was those last two nights, I was working through some very heavy emotional things about relationships and how I feel. And if I didn't take that time to myself away from my computer, away from the work, and of course I am a workaholic. And so when I do step away from that kind of stuff, I do get really anxious about it. Like, oh God, like the, I have so much content to put out there. I need to edit it. I need to do this and do that. But if I never stepped away, there would be no content to create because I would have no thoughts. I wouldn't be in touch with my thoughts at all. So I take that. I take so much time every day to do that through yoga, through journaling, through taking baths. And when I took a five-day break from my life for the Panchakarma that I did, that was the most in touch I've ever gotten with my thoughts and been able to move through them ever. So to do all that kind of stuff is 
very powerful. And I know when you go to New Zealand, you will totally have that. And I'm really excited to hear all about how it goes. So before we wrap up here, we have a few more minutes. I'm going to ask you some fun questions that are just off the wall, just a little different. So if you could meet one person in the wellness industry who you haven't met yet, who would it be? That's such a good question. I mean, what comes to mind right away is probably Dr. Hyman, because I, I, I met Dr. Pearl Mutter at the Mind Body Green Revitalized Conference, and he was my, like, <laughs> he was my Beyonce, I guess. <laughs> he, uh, he, he's definitely, like, the bee's knees. He's the top doc for me. I mean, I think he's brilliant. And I'm obviously a huge nerd. So um, Dr. Hyman's a little more mainstream. His his opinions have changed, but they've changed as nutritional research has come out. You know, I mean, he was preaching what was coming out when it came out with his first books yeah. and has, you know, he, he's done the blood sugar thing. He's doing the fat thing. Um, and I think we all are learning, and that's really important. So, um, yeah, he comes to mind. I... I don't know, um, Dr. Lauren Cordain. He's a, he was kind of like the godfather of paleo, but he, he's a, yeah, so, he, but he wasn't mainstream like Rob Wolf or Mark Sisson or any of these guys. He's, uh, he's the, you know, the scientist behind it. So <laughs> give me the nerds. <laughs> give Kelly all the nerds. I love asking that question because with what we do, we do have the opportunity to meet a lot of our wellness idols. We are lucky in that sense. So, of course, Kelly goes for the science people. I'm thinking of all the, like, yoga rock stars out there who, at this point, I have met. You And you probably have, too. So I'm trying to think of other people who I haven't met. I mean, the list is endless. I would like to meet those people, too. I'd be fascinated. And I've read, you know, all the different books about just everything to do with our bodies, but everything Kelly's talking about. So to meet any of those people and pick their brain would just be an honor. Um, I don't know if I would get it the way Kelly would. I'd be like, skip the science. Tell me, uh, are you married? Do you have kids? I want to know about your life. But I still would like to meet them and just soak in their brilliance. That would be cool. Um, so tell us something funny that we'd never know about you, Kelly Levesque, if you weren't telling us now. I don't know that a lot of people know this, but um, my funny. Okay, well, he here's one. Here's funny. The first thing that came to mind was that my husband has started a revolt against me with his Instagram profile, Be Bad by Chris. My Two D's in bad. <laughs> um, because he likes to bring light to what I share and what I post. And I, I think it's really refreshing because come on, like you're going to have wine one night, you're going to have pizza to tell people that I, you know, eat some kind of perfect life or, you know, like have a perfect food life is an absolute joke. I'm a human being, you know, <laughs> it's finding balance. Um, and then the second thing that I don't think people would realize that I, I was totally, I wasn't a total tomboy, but um, I drove a 12 and a half lit inch lifted F-150 all through high school and college no. with 35 inch mud tires oh my God. and would go from Big Bear 
um, snowboarding and do a half day ticket and drive all the way to the beach to surf the afternoon before getting Mexican food and going in someone's jacuzzi. So (laughs) people don't, people don't expect that from me because I do like dresses and heels. Um, but yeah, I, I thought I was kind of a badass. That is the best thing I've ever heard. Well, Knowing Kelly, I'm not shocked to hear it because, yes, she does like dresses and heels and and she always looks great and especially at events, she always looks so beautiful. I'm not surprised at all to hear that you were a tomboy because it's just it's an inherent personality thing and there's a part of you that's so laid back and sporty and athletic and could hang with the guys all day. Like, there's a part of Kelly that I I just love that side of Kelly that totally comes from being a tomboy. I, for one, wasn't a tomboy, but I think that there, I kind of wish that I was in certain ways. I, there was nothing tomboyish about me at all. I was voted most feminine in my entire high school. I don't even know why we voted on such things, but I took a picture. They took a picture of us for the yearbook. I was the most feminine, and then this guy in my class was the most masculine, and we tried to switch places, so I was trying to act masculine in the photo, and he was trying to act feminine. It was really funny, but so I wasn't a tomboy. I love that Kelly was. And I'll ask you one last question, because we're coming up on our hour here. So, oh, but I have more questions. Well, we'll have to have Kelly back, but this is, okay, what's your favorite workout in LA? Maha Yoga. Yes. I love Steve Ross. He invented happy yoga. You should definitely come take his class if you're in L.A. Yeah, I can I can agree to that. And I know that Kelly's been going there for a long time. I know she loves it. And since 2002, that's a real yogi right there. That is a long time yogi. I'm just old. No, you're not old. No. Um, oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, I think I have a lot of favorites just to answer all the questions I'm asking you just for fun. Oh, gosh, I have so many favorites, but they're all yoga studios right now. And, of course, I love Orange Theory. I'm just not as into the rigorous right now. But I've been going to Core Power religiously, even though I'm doing my teacher training at Yoga Works, which is the best place to learn. But um, I love both those places, and I love Maha, too. Um, okay, I'm keeping her here for one more question because I just have so many for her. If you could go back in time and name your company something else, would you or would you stick with Be Well by Kelly? So there is a company called Be Well by Dr. Frank Lipman, and I created the Be Well Smoothie Formula, which is basically just a formula to teach people how to make a smoothie. And his company came out with like a smoothie protein powder and line. And um, I might, I mean, I think it's really cute. Be Well by Kelly, all the E's, all the L's, and like it's very clean. Um, But Be Well actually for some people is vague. You know, they understand that it's wellness-based. I don't know that I'm super creative. I normally (laughs) outsource this stuff. Um, But there is a title in the running for my book called Body Love. So there might be a rebrand around that name um, and, you know, hopefully knock on wood or not, huddy, the couch, (laughs) Um, you know, it'd be awesome to have skin love, brain love, kind of come out with a line of books that, that dives deeper into what you're searching for. So, 
Yeah, I don't know. Let it, let me know what you think. Actually, I'd be curious to hear what what people think about that. It's scary to build a brand and then ditch its name, but I'm still Kelly. Yeah, and you're always going to be Kelly, and you're always going to be well. But I love the idea of all of that, especially with how scientific you are to be able to go into body love, brain love, skin love, gut love. I could think of a million. You could write a whole book on blood sugar and find a really cute name for that that goes in line with everything else. So you guys should definitely tell us. Tell, send it directly to Kelly or to me, and I'll tell her what you think of the new name idea. I just love to ask people that because so many of us started our businesses before we knew that they were going to be completely full-time, that we were going to be writing freelance for these big websites and we would be known by Be Well by Kelly and The Balanced Blonde, which was my, I mean, I was obviously the blonde vegan, so I did do the whole rebrand thing and it it is very scary and very daunting, but so worth it because you want to be so proud and I think your name's so cute. So I just wanted to know. I mean, I, I totally love it. I think it goes well. Um, so we've had Kelly now for over an hour. We're so lucky that she's been here. She's truly the best. She's so helpful to me as a client. And I mean, well, I'm her client, but no, as a friend. And she's just, she's so giving. She's full of the most infectious energy ever. And I'm so glad that I got to share her with you guys. So she'll tell you where you can find her. Well, thank you for having me first. It's been so much fun and so easy because I just walked up the street. Exactly. <laughs> but um, you guys can find me on my Instagram at Be Well by Kelly on my website. BeWellByKelly.com, Twitter, uh, Snap, Snapchat, all the places. So I, I was lucky to snag that everywhere. So come find me. Say hi. Let me know that you found me here. Yeah. You're so lucky you got all those. I'm something different on every freaking platform because the balance blonde started to be taken and it's too long for Twitter and I have a whole saga of all that, but I mostly have it in the important places I have it. And before we sign off, I just have to tell you guys, Hudson has fully been on this couch with me and Kelly the whole time. He's practically a part of this conversation. He's super, super content with life right now and he's taking in all of Kelly's wisdom. So just to give you a visual on what we've been sitting here with, but thank you guys so much for listening. This one was really fun, something I've been looking forward to, an interview I've been looking forward to since the, I got the idea in a yoga class to start the podcast. So thanks to Kelly, and thanks to you guys for listening, and we'll be back and talk to you soon. Have a good day. Bye, guys.